Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at arguably the greatest compilation series this country ever produced, the 100% Hits compilation series. My name is Josh Earl and today we're talking Volume 9, Side B and my special guest, very special guest. It's Ben Russell, everyone. Most special guest. The most special guest, Possibly. yes. Thank you so much for having me. That's all right. Thank you. We're doing it face to face. I know. A little F2F. To F to F. We're going to listen to some horny songs eye to eye. Really horny <laughs> it's ones. so horny. And this I'm one. going to maintain <laughs> eye contact with you as we look, lick the bomb bomb down. I hate it. Well, people are saying, hey, don't talk over the songs. It's because I don't want to sit in a room with someone I'm and make eye contact with them as <laughs> a love song plays. Just know that. The hornier the song, the harder the eye contact that I will be giving Josh. <laughs> Only the eye contact will be hard, though. Yeah. Everything well, else, soft. <laughs> yeah, soft. Just relaxed. I'm so, this album came out in 93. Yeah. Do you remember much about 1993? 1993, I would have been in primary school. Yes. Well and truly. In Perth, Western Australia. Perth, Western Australia. Sorrento Primary School. I'm trying to think about which... So, if... I was in year seven. That's when I, I was year seven when this came out. You were year seven. Yep. How old are you? I'm 41. I'm 38. So you would be in primary school. Like I'd, I'd say grade five, grade, grade four. Grade five, grade yeah. four. Around there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, grade four. Grade, although I was in Perth, so we do a year before as well. Oh, because you don't do you do, don't do prep or you do something I don't think so, but we graduate weird. when we're all 17. No yeah. one can drink in our school. Uh, that's, I don't shame. know if that's a good good thing. Yeah, I think. I mean, we did. A uh, lot. Yeah, I know. Of course, I kept my. I didn't keep my son back, but when we were putting him in school, it was like that choice of: Do you want him to be turning eighteen in year twelve, or turning eighteen in at first year uni? And I was. Tur- I turned eighteen June in first year uni. And yeah, it wasn't fun. Why? Because the first four months of uni, I couldn't go anywhere. It was always a fucking hassle mm. when all my friends are going to the pub, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll see if I can get in. If I can't get in, I'll just have to go back home. Yeah, that o- would on suck. the bus in Launceston. I never thought about that, yeah. and I never thought I would. I would thought that it'd be kind of fun to be able to drink and you know, like buy alcohol to go to high school parties. Yeah, I mean, I do that already. <laughs> you know, <am> I right? <laughs> that's really cool doing. It's that, what I do yeah. still. <laughs> Buying uh, alcohol. <laughs> <to Launceston. laughs> but um, you know, I uh, yeah, I was well and truly in primary school, sort of level five, level six, yeah, and. Uh, just hating, probably hating my life. Oh no, ben. I was not. I did not really like my primary school. What, um, what primary school? Sorrento Primary School. Sorrento Primary School. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I had like a good group of like two or three core yeah. neighborhood friends. Then we kind of each had a park. Yeah. We made a little triangle, the golden triangle, and we had bikes. Nice. And so we were like a real Stranger Things type. Oh, more Stand by Me because it was just you us saw dudes. a dead body. You found a dead body. We well, <laughs> we did find porn once, and it was so, the most. It was so great. We found a bunch of porn in the bush. Yeah. And I, it was glorious. I remember I was too young when I first saw, first saw my p- first porn. Mm. I was in grade two and I went and said, I went for a play at Nick Bartlett's house and Nick Bartlett's parents were a little bit more hands-off than my parents. And so they went out and so his older brother, Robbie, mm. showed, he was in year seven, he showed us one of their dad's porn videos. Wow. And I thought, because the penis was so... Big and veiny. Mm-hmm. I thought something was wrong with that penis. Yeah, well, something probably was. It was, and the movie was called "Sex Is Deadly," and it was mm-hmm. when porn had plot lines, the and it was age. a woman was going around and she would have sex with these men, but then she'd murder them. Wow. Yep. Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yep. yep. It nice. was so. It was eighty. 
86, 87. So, yeah. yeah. Love that. Bush and just starting, starting to get into the world of cosmetic surgery. Yes. So, big bolt-on boobs. What a horrifying <laughs> age that was. <laughs> but they walked so we could run. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of haughty little dudes, <laughs> this is kicking off side B of volume nine. This is a little band from Atlanta called Silk, and this is their number one song, Freak Me. Yeah. I'm gonna I think we're gonna talk during this. Yeah, apologies, Sorry, listeners. I think I'm gonna talk. I know that this is a big controversial point, <laughs> but I'm starting already. Fuck off. Just fucking look it up on Spotify. It's right there. You're listening to a podcast. Grow up. <laughs> oh. This is a horny song. It's so horny. What movie was this song? It was in Ali G. Yep. And it, oh. I feel like it was in like a Sandler film. Not No, not something along adjacent to. Yeah, but it was also in a few like... But it was also in that string of... may have been in Blank Man, like a Damon Wayans joint. Something like that. I feel like it was... So it was 90... You know, this is 93. Yeah. Yeah, it's like around almost bulletproof. A little bit, yes. a little bit earlier than bulletproof, but... Yeah, that sort of time. It's almost like this is what I, I was listening to. It this going, is rich with movie soundtracks. Yeah, this bit. Yep. I would like to sort of try and figure out where they're from, but I don't know if we've got it. This is what I think. Someone signed these guys, going, "Hey, imagine if boys to men like to fuck." Yeah. And they went, "Yeah, we've got the perfect band for you." So this was number one in, in the United States of America in on May first in '93. Can you just play it again one time? Just a little bit. <laughs> Just, I'll, I'll just keep playing. Just, just, yeah, keep playing. Yeah. I love that. Hey, yeah. yeah. In the background. Let me lick you up and down till you say stop. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah. That's a good message though, you know? Yeah. Nothing, nothing. We don't know yuck anyone's yum here. No. Uh, so this is the, uh, the other songs that they released. These are the other <laughs> singles that, that okay. Silk released. Lose control. How's that go? I don't know, but it could be sexual, could not be sexual. Yeah, it could be. Like coming. Yeah. I can go deep. That's definitely a sexual... Uh, uh, talking about the pussy. Don't rush. Uh, don't come too fast. <laughs> Meeting in my bedroom. We're having sex in my bedroom. Let's make love. <laughs> Please, would you make love to me? <laughs> <laughs> and the final one, the secret garden. Mm. That's the pussy. That is absolutely. Yeah. Or the or the uh, or the butt. Yeah, that's the really secret garden. I guess it's part. I guess the the butt and the pussy. That's um, the back garden. They're part of the same garden, the same <laughs> estate. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a, a small little tile between. <laughs> just a small little paver. <laughs> 
So they start out in Atlanta in the eighties. All members grew up singing in church. Yep, you a can few, tell. Yep, a few of them are related. A few went to high school. Some of them met because they worked in the same McDonald's, mm. uh, and they'd practice in that same McDonald's when it closed. That's where they were trying, and they were trying out dance steps by The Temptations and New Edition. They'd okay. do that kind of stuff, and eventually they started singing together at churches and at talent shows. Yeah, well, I mean, you can definitely hear. I mean, boy bands are just sort of an evolution of Motown. Yeah. Anyway, yep. so you can definitely hear that Motown stank. On yes, it. and and churches like so many great uh, yeah. singers come out of singing church because you get an audience every week. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Big you fan. Know, great, great song. Positive message. Uh, being generous lover. Yes, and um, used. I would say used in a lot. I feel like there's like a montage where someone. It could be. Is it? It's almost, it's too late for that, but it could be like a Hot Shots style film. Yeah. You know, when there's, they're making that love and Charlie Sheen's putting all the food on her. A type of comedy where they don't want you to have to think. And it's yeah. like, we're going to lay everything out for you. So you, you we know Sometimes this is a funny some, bit. one of the best. Yeah. Some of the best comedies are like that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago with uh, Laura and Brulee. We were talking about um, Ace Ventura. Mm. Great. Hasn't aged well, but still funny. Hasn't aged well. <laughs> no. All right. Speaking of not aging well, mm-hmm. or maybe this one has. This is our next track. This is a little band called Four Non Blondes and their huge hit, What's Up? I'm going to be controversial here. Okay. I'm say so controversial. I can't stand this song. <laughs> You're not alone. I fucking can't stand it. A lot it. of people hate this song. I couldn't get through it. We're going to play the whole thing now then. Yeah. I'm going to maintain eye contact with you this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just get to, the, get to the important bit. We'll get to the important bit. And then it's just so annoying. It's such an annoying Gold FM. I feel like this is played on Gold FM every like three hours. Yeah, this would have been uh, Triple M, Triple J crossover, I'd say. Really? A few, yeah, this absolutely would have been played on Triple J. Back when Trooper J was good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the Sandman, Bring back Mikey the Sandman, Robbins. Dude, the same <laughs> Mikey Robbins, Sandman, man. That, back in those days, Triple J was fucking good, dude. Where's Flacco? <laughs> fucking Flacco. You son of a bitch. I'm coming for you. I am going to be the first man to kill Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> there can no only be one. There can only be one first man. <laughs> yeah. No All reason, right. though. I don't hate him or I feel nothing about him, but I think it would just be nice. And so I wake in the morning and I step outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream from the top of my lungs, what's going on? And I say, hey, 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 I said, hey, what's going on? And I Hate it. Hate it. Sucks. Okay. So this is... If you like that song, get a life. This band, Four Non Blondes, only active for a very short time. Australian? No. From San Francisco. It's that kind of bullshit power ballad fucking dog shit song that Australian morons love. Well, they were big... No uh, offense. They were a band from 89 to 94. (laughs) They broke up. (laughs) (laughs) They broke up because... uh, so the four women in the band, they were all lesbians. 
Linda Perry was the only one who was really out and proud. Though. She was the lead singer. Mm. And the others weren't comfortable with her being so, like, just promoting being a lesbian all the time, even though they were lesbians. Wow. I know. Very strange. And they left them. And so she kind of was sick of them and kind of went solo. Mm. And uh, this, so the origin of this song, though, she was living in San Francisco and her flatmate at the time was a guy called Stephen Jenkins mm-hmm. who had a hit later on with a little band called Third Eye Blind <laughs> and they sat in their lounge room, living room, and they played each other their songs and she had this one and he had his semi-charmed life and he said, it wasn't until years later that I realised that in that living room we just played each other songs that sold over 17 million copies. Wow. It's what a profound thing to tell yeah. someone. <laughs> what a fucking great story. What's his name? Uh, Stephen Jenkins. Stephen Jenkins, you son of a bitch. Didn't get to I thought it got to number one in Australia, but it was only number two. That surprises me. Yeah. It it is such a staple of uh of Skyworks, Lotto Skyworks everywhere. Now you, know? you said you don't like this song. Other people who have on record of saying they don't like this song are the singers Carl Barrett of the Libertines mm-hmm. and Stuart Braithwaite of Mogwai. They both said this song is the worst song ever. <laughs> and Dean Ween, this is what he said about it. It's as bad as music gets. Everything about the song is so awful that if I sat down and tried to write the worst song ever, I couldn't even make it 10% of the reality of how awful this song is. Mm. To be fair, though, there's not, I don't see a Venn diagram where you like Four Nine Blondes and droning post-rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, to me, those Venn... Uh, I'm in the droning post-rock side of things. Well, Dean Ween, who... Had their big hit with Push the Little Daisies, which I reckon some people would say. I fucking love that song. I like that song too, but some Ween. people would say that is a terrible song. Nah, well, they need, they'd miss the whole point of Ween <laughs> if that's a terrible song. And uh, Tara Dublin of The Huffington Post said, without question, the worst song of the 1990s. It's pretty bad. I don't know if it's fair to call it the worst song of the 1990s. Well, we're going to talk about Linda Perry in later episodes, but I do want to mention, because she's a songwriter of note, she's mm. written many songs, but I'll talk about them in later episodes. I do want to say this, though. She uh, wrote a, a bunch of uh, songs with Dolly Parton uh, for the film Dumplin'. Have you seen Dumplin'? Mm-mm. It, uh, it's very good. Um, but because she's produced and written all these songs for people, Dolly's people said, hey, you should write with Linda Perry. And she goes, who's Linda Perry? And she goes, oh... She used to be in Four Non Blondes and she goes, I have never heard that band. And mm-hmm. they went, no, no, you would, you would. And they played her this song and she went, nah, I've never heard that song before. <laughs> and so Dolly Parton lived in a world that she had never heard of What's Up. And that's why Dolly Parton needs to be protected <laughs> by all costs. All right, moving on. Now we're going a bit reggae here. Yes. With a band otherwise known as the Bad Boys of Reggae. This is Inner Circle with Sweat, a la 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 long. Oh, yeah, here we go. Here we fucking go. I mean, this is a great song. This is a good song. It's funny. It's good to dance to. It's cheerful. This will get a bunch of white folks dancing. It really will. Oh, yeah. And I've got this 
I love that song. Uh, so they formed in 1968. Mm. They split up or disbanded in 1980 when their lead singer, Jacob Miller, died in a car accident. And then they got back together in 86. Mm-hmm. And that's when they had their two big hits. The f- this is the biggest song, even though I reckon the other song is probably more well-known. Their other song, Bad Boys, Bad Boys, oh, What right. You Gonna Do? Because it's been played in, in Cops. Mm-hmm. So weird. So this was on 100% Hits. Bad Boys was on Hit Machine Volume 2. Wow. Same time. That's spooky. I don't know how because they were on different record labels, those two compilations. Yeah, right. So they've just gone, both gone, oh, we'll get one, you get the other one. And yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll settle it that way. Interesting time, the 90s. You had that, if I could, you had that weird kind of like fetishization of reggae. Oh, so much. And yep. like Rasta. Yes. And shit like that. Yeah. Very strange. I, I remember lots of guys in my town having Bob Marley posters. I yeah. don't remember them listening to much Bob Marley because I think he stood for more than just the reggae. I think it was like, uh, yeah, I want to smoke pot. Yeah. the These kids would grow up to enjoy dub. Yes. Uh, and Fat Freddy's Drop <laughs> and move to Fremantle. You know? it's, it's weird though because the punk scene in the UK really embraced reggae. So the Clash... Mm big reggae fans, and then you've got all those bands like The Stranglers and The Specials who were reggae-influenced, mm-hmm. or maybe dance. I'm not sure the, the right terms. Maybe I've said the wrong term there, but I, I hear it and I hear a reggae influence in it. Can I ask a music question? Yes. This is something that I've heard, but I don't know how reliable this information is. That Scar came first. Really? Before reggae. I wonder that how it happened. The man that told me that was wearing a pinstripe suit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was he skanking all over the place? He was, yeah, yeah. Two-toned shoes. Um, no, but that's what I... That's sort of... The, someone tr- told me that, and I don't know how true that is. It, Scar it is just sort of in terms of the evolution. Yeah. You, know, you can kind of trace, you know, funk to disco to EDM. Yeah. That sort of... Vibe. Well, I'll, I'll have to look that. And listeners, please let us yeah, know. Yeah, I'm genuinely interested. Yeah. So I would be interested in the answer. So this song also got to number two. That's in a Australia. little bit of engagement, that's isn't it? Yeah. That's please. podcast <laughs> engagement, just about purely by accident. For the listeners. Number two on the charts, and also in that year's Triple J's Hottest 100, number 94. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. You know, good There's nothing song. Hey, speaking of uh, kind of reggae influenced, mm-hmm. our next song, a little, a little rapper from Canada, not ra- oh rapper, and also reggae artist. Okay, a little man called Snow, and his follow up to his big hit Informer. This is his song, "Girl, I've Been Hurt." I mean, how do you go? It's hard to do once you do Informer. I know. It was such a big hit. Mm. We discussed it two, two episodes ago. Yeah. Fastest selling reggae single of all time. It's really good. Yeah. And you're going to have difficulties. What do you... Not as fast. I like the fact that we couldn't understand what you're saying in the in, Informer. Yeah, I just don't know what the hook is. Uh, it come, there, there's a little bit of a chorus, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more slowed down than all his other songs. Mm. So it's a song about being cheated on. Oh. 
So the girl cheated on him. Oh my god. And um, yeah, he, he's looking for another lover. Oh. Doesn't have the same magic. That's the X Factor, doesn't it? Sad. The classic follow-up single. Here's the hook. Feels like it's so close. Yeah, feels like it's gearing up to have something good, but I don't think that hook is good enough, personally. So it was from his album... For me, anyway. My humble... From his album, 12 Inches of Snow. Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon he refers to there? (laughs) I reckon it's his penis, everybody. See, that's the thing about the 90s. We had a lot of subtext, you know? Yeah. It wasn't so... It was just under the surface, so you couldn't see it. So is... Is I never grew up with snow, as in like the one that falls from the sky. Oh, okay. Is that a common phrase? Like, tw- is that from something else? Well, I, there's I've like they always give the snow report give you the the level the snowfall. Because I know Nick Cave has fifteen feet of pure white snow. That's uh-huh. a song, and and so twelve inches of snow. But also twelve inches refers to the size of a record. Yep, but also probably his penis. Re- yeah, I reckon. I reckon he's going for penis. penis. I think it's both. I think it's a triple entendre. Do you reckon Snow has a 12-inch dick? I hope not. That would be too much. It's too much dick. Too much snow. Yeah, I would. I think by the time you get to 12, you have to sort of, you know, have like meetings and litigation before you sleep with yeah. a woman. So you have to have like a lawyer present and, um, you know, they've got to be doing stretches and yeah. stuff like that. 12 inches. It's like nine inches more than the average. Yeah. It's too, it's too much. I think you would have... <laughs> I think you would have sexual. Uh, I think it's more of a curse. Yeah, three inches is the average, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah, man, yeah. definitely. Yeah, cool. Hey, here's a, here's a little fact from this song. So he was performing at Sunsplash '93, and a Jamaican DJ called Ninja Man was DJing on stage and saw Snow backstage and said, "Hey, Snow, get on stage and sing Girl I've Been Hurt.'" Because I like that song, and if you sing that and the audience doesn't go crazy, I'm going to shoot everyone in the crowd and then brandished a gun. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then the reggae report, the, a newspaper reported, fortunately the crowd did go wild for the performance and Ninja never had to make good on his threats. That's very good. I'm glad he didn't have to shoot all those people. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. If I was there, he would have shot me. <laughs> I probably would have gotten into it, to be fair, though. Yeah, if someone's brandishing a gun yeah. and there's other people also getting into it, yeah. you, don't, you don't want to miss out. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be a square. No. Uh, yeah, all right. That, that, was, that was Snow with Girl I've Been Hurt. Yeah, that was Snow. You know, I'm, it's fine. It's fine. I agree. It, it's absolutely fine. I feel nothing. All right. So here's our next song. There's one in here that I'm pumped to hear. First Australian song on the list for this album, or for this side. Uh-huh. This is the Carly Simon hit, You're So Vain, performed by a band named after your arsehole. This is Chocolate Starfish. Chocolate Starfish. <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> it's, it's a cover and not... It's not even that different. No, it's not. Well, it's already a good song. So you would, if you did make it too different, you would annoy a few people, I reckon. Yeah, it's just like this Bob Dylan sounding motherfucker and some guitar, some more sort of with a bit of a, a bit of crunch to it. It feels very hotel lounge. Well, I would say yeah, they're they're a bar band who play covers to flesh out. 
would have been around the time where you would do like, all right, do two sets. People are just coming in. I know the band. There used to be a band that played The Lookout, The Crack, and a couple other ba- uh, like shitty nightclubs in northern suburbs of Perth. And they were called Airbag. Oh. Yeah. And they, right. the guy was dressed in kind of like that sort of emo goth that was you know popular at yeah. around the time of 2001, 2002, yeah. I would say. And um, they were... They were truly awful. Yeah, in Launceston, there was the cover band called Natty's Ratties. Ooh. And they would play all... And I remember Marty Sheargold came down to do comedy <laughs> at the Unibar. And there weren't many of us there watching. It was him and Matt King. It was a great gig. And he said, the last time I was in this town, there was a band at the Saloon Bar, which mm-hmm. was the, the nightclub, called Natty's Ratties. Natty's Ratties. And the guy had his shirt off and was singing... Like he wrote the songs himself. <laughs> <laughs> and it still makes me laugh thinking that it was such a great turn of phrase. Like just going, you know, yeah. it, it's one thing to have your shirt off and singing songs, but make sure you've written those songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very similar vibe to Airbag. Just, yeah. Uh, and they would have, they would have, I would have loved to, I'd love to talk to one right now, you know, see how well, he's doing. Lucky for you, I've got him on the phone. <laughs> Airbag. <laughs> this is, see, I, this is the thing when you call yourself Chocolate Starfish. There's, oh, there's, you put a ceiling on your band. Yeah, you can't you go. I don't know if you can go international with a name like. You can only call a, an album uh, Chocolate Starfish with hot yes. dog flavor. <laughs> yeah. Because <water. laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking, you know, if you think too much about band names, they're all bad. Mm. Like, yeah, Nirvana is a bad dumb. band name. Yeah. Oasis is a bad band name. The Beatles is one of the stupidest fucking band names in the world. <laughs> it's a pun. <laughs> it fucking sucks. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. Because they do rock and roll. Yep. You know, yep. I had a friend who was in a band uh, called Blood Fart. <laughs> that was, even Blood the tote, even the tote said, hey, we're not going to promote your band. <laughs> Blood Fart. Too, too, too wrong for the tote. Uh, so <laughs> this, uh, this song, you're so vain. Not this version, but the Carly Simon version voted the 92nd best song of all time by Billboard in 2017. I think that that song is a funny song. Yes. It's a good song and it's kind of funny and dumb yep. and you can like Elaine dance to it. And there's also the the myth of who's it about. Yeah. And she it's, said it's about three different people. It's about Bob Dylan? Warren Beatty is the, is the one that oh, she's Warren. confirmed it's Warren Beatty. But there's other, like James Taylor is the other one that she said. Yep. People guess because they were together for a while. But she mm-hmm. said this, so there's three. People. Warren Beatty. Yes, no, I had heard that. But there was a there was a there um, an auction where Carly Simon was there and raising money for charity where she said, if you win this, I will tell you the three, but you got to promise you cannot uh, say, like public publicly say who they are. So it's just between you and I, we know the actual I three. Love that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I do love that a lot. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back very soon. And we're back. We're back. Oh, we're back in a big way. This is what I think you said is your favourite song from this uh, compilation. Yes. This is George Thorogood and his Destroyers and his song, Get a Haircut. What's up? Fuck yeah. I'm picturing like a... It's the start of a John Candy film. Oh, yes. He's waking up, he's a bit hungover, John Candy. Mm-hmm. Kitchen a mess. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Chimneys. Rust Belt. So this is all the montages. You've got working class people. He's having a shower, he's shaving in the shower. Yep. 
He's looking at himself in the mirror. He's not happy with what he sees. Wood paneled station wagon pulls up. Oh. Honks. <laughs> I swear to God, this is re- this is a- that's actually a real sequence. That should, should be. <laughs> Uh, Fuck, I love John Candy. He was so good. Yeah. I, I recently, I forced my kids to watch Cool Runnings. They were like, I tried to talk them into it. And they're like, nah, nah, nah. And then with the uh, Commonwealth Games. Mm. I was like, hey, this is about the Winter Olympics. Let's, let's watch this. John Candy, by all accounts, was a beautiful, wonderful human being. Yeah, I think Conan O'Brien tells a story that he, when he was working at the Harvard Lampoon, John Candy was a guest. And um, his, John Candy's management was like, hey, John's on a diet, he's shooting a film, so... Make sure, like, you don't take him to any burger places. Don't go to pizzas. <laughs> don't like no booze and blah blah blah. And John Candy turned up, and all he wanted to do was eat burgers and have pizza. And Conan O'Brien was like, "It was the best weekend I've ever had." Like, yeah, it was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so this song, uh, this is a cover, um, just like his other cover of "One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer." George, right. who George, did the original of this? of this song? Yeah, well. He was in a nightclub in Cairns or in a pub called the Black Marlin and he was watching some performers and they played this song and after the gig he went up to him and went, hey, I really like that Get a Haircut song. Is mm-hmm. that yours? And they said, no, nah, no, nah, it's actually these guys who, who are local uh, called Dave Avery and Bill Birch. It's their song. Hmm. So he contacted uh, Avery and Birch and said, I want to buy the song. If you want to play that song, I'll buy it. And they went, yeah, cool, thinking this is great. They sold it for I don't know what the fee was, but they didn't get a percentage no. of the yeah, the cut like that. They no. just sold it outright. And so uh dumb. Real dumb. George Sarah Good made some money off it and those two guys did not make some money off it. But I was I was deep into the Reddits on yeah, this right. one. And uh someone put that story and then all these people who know Dave Avery personally were like going couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> he was a, according to the Reddit, I don't know if you're Dave Avery or know him personally. I'm not saying That's he funny. is. I'm just I saying on the Reddit forums, they're saying he's a, he's a cunt and his kid's show was no good. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, look, I, I like... So George Thorogood also wrote Bad of the Bone as mm. well, which uh, my dad was a big, big fan of that song. This is the real... You've, you've gone through your Freak Me... And you're in a circle. I reckon mm-hmm. this is for the dads now in the car. Yeah. Well, see, this is interesting because my I didn't really grow up with any hit machine or any of this. Yep. Because American family. Oh, yeah. Didn't realize. We were relative. There are just like weird things that I missed out on. Yeah. And this shit was one of them. Because we were all like... What was it? Casey Kasem's hit parade or... No, it was all like... Um, like the Beatles and oh, Dylan and, and like just like listened to actually good artists Jethro Tull and yeah like all and Frank Zappa yeah just non all the time yeah and then later, uh, 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 
just like crooners and shit like that from mum. See, my parents weren't into music at all. Yeah, they right. just they listened to whatever was on the radio. My mum drives with no no sound. She can't have any sound in the car. Like, and so it was. My partner's mum does the same. Yeah, does a similar thing. I, I find it bizarre, like just being left alone with your own thoughts. Mm. Like, yeah, my dad will listen to talkback radio, but as a kid, the only the only musician I knew my dad enjoying was John Mellencamp <laughs> because my half-sister, she would always get him John Mellencamp like tapes and stuff mm. because I guess when he was with her mum, like they would – and so her mum said, oh, your dad likes John Mellencamp, just get him John Mellencamp. And we didn't know he liked – so, yeah, John yeah, Cougar Mellencamp John at, Cougar at the time. And so, yeah, I, I didn't have that growing up with knowing mm. all the classics. I know my mum liked ABBA. She had a few ABBA. And then we would subscribe. I don't know if your family did this. You maybe didn't because you just said you didn't. But have those, it was like a CD digest where you'd get a booklet. Nah. And then you'd send off and then a month later you'd get like five CDs and it was cost you like 20 bucks for the five. Now, we never got that. It was all just oldies. And then we kind of had to break out into new shit ourselves. My first... I mean, this is a... Sorry, we're going way off topic. My That's first right. album that I ever bought was uh, uh, Meat Loves Like a Bad Out of Hell, Volume 2. Yes. Because I love the cover. <laughs> and I put it on and it is fucking sick. It's yeah. like musical <laughs> show tunes for yeah for people that want to seem tough. Oh, if you're a kid, that kind of music is amazing. Mm. I remember listening to the fir- for the first time ever... Um, I don't like Mondays, but the Boomtown Rats. Yeah, I got my dad's old vinyls out, and he had like Knockout '78 or whatever it was. It was a compilation, mm-hmm. and that was on it. And I remember having my mind blown. Going, I've never heard music like this. Yeah, and then I discovered weirdly that like the Dead Kennedys and fucking Black Sabbath. I remember the first time I listened to Black Sabbath. Yeah. I was like, this fucking, this is fucking sick. <laughs> well, my, my auntie was into like. That pub rock scene. Mm-hmm. So she loved Rose Tattoo. Not not my auntie. She's my auntie because well, I've known her my whole life. Mm-hmm. But she's not really an auntie. She's no relation, but family friend. But yeah, that kind of relationship. But she loved Rose Tattoo and ACDC. Um, yep. On record of, of hating Crowded House. We've talked about that later uh, in a previous episode with Guy Montgomery. But she, every time we go around there, it was just music pumping. And that yeah, was right. when I first heard Black Sabbath as well. I love that shit. That's yeah. such a wonderful, it's such a cool time discovering music but and branching out from what your parents liked and from what your brother likes and also what your peer group likes as well just go, oh cool yeah finding what you like yeah um yeah very yeah it's a, a interesting time i went through like a whole the whole gamut yeah i remember when i had kids people were going what are you going to do when they want to play their music i'm like i'm gonna be a dad and go yeah cool you can listen to what you want to do like yeah. i don't i'm not gonna be the guy at the party going, no, no, you have to listen to this. You have to listen to it. But also nowadays you have very little say. They'll love, it's much easier for kids to sort of pick and find their. Well, my, my youngest uh, is, he doesn't watch Stranger Things, but he does watch all the Stranger Things stuff on YouTube. He's, I don't know why he's obsessed with, I mean, it's obviously the popular thing. So his favorite song is Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash because it's in season one. Great. And it's, yeah, it's fine. That's awesome. And he's learning to play that on the drums. So that is it. Hey, That's we a go- great sign. We're going from Get a Haircut to a song. This what one- a great song. I fucking love that song, by the way. Can I just reiterate it? Yes, go what for a- it. I immediately favorited that song in my <laughs> in my Spotify. I was like, fuck yeah, this song. It's this- And then I've also been... Fu- it's such a fun thing to rediscover a song. Like I did, I um, rediscovered 
Why Can't We Be Friends by War. Oh, yeah. Such a fucking sick song. And this kind of has a very similar, like, yep. just a bunch of dudes, just clumsy, fun, stupid music. Well, I think the fact that it's also on a live album as well, you get... It's a good essence in that yeah. you can actually hear that it's a it's in a bar. It's like people are yeah having yeah, you're fun. Not so much like playing music, you're just bashing things and <laughs> dealing with whatever deals you know comes out. Now we have a quite a, a shift of gear. This mm-hmm. is a big transition. Whoever compiled this, I'm not sure if they really thought it through. Yeah. If this is how you would like you got to think mix about it the vibe. together. What yeah. are you trying to do here? We're getting towards the end. You should be bigging it up. So this is. R.E.M. and their little song called Everybody Hurts. <laughs> don't, don't look at me in the eye now. Play the whole thing. This would have come out when I went to I went to a summer camp called Super Camp. I was would have been young enough too, yeah, yeah. And it was fucking sick. Yep. It was a, I think it was a week and you went abseiling and did shit, kayaking, that sort of shit. Because in and it's a very American thing to not many kids did it in Australia. No, we didn't have some, uh, look, I, I went to a Christian camp once. Yeah. And that never again. Super camp was sick. Yep. It was just around, I don't know, it wasn't hugely popular, but there were enough kids to make it fun. Yeah. Get up to all, because my parents were like, you've got to go away on summer camp. <laughs> it's just, it's one of the American values that we hold dear. You've got to get the fuck out of the house. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I had a ball there. I did like twice. It was the first, I was like, it was the first time I found out that I was funny. Yep. And could make people laugh. Because I made all the counsellors laugh. Yeah. And they were like, you should MC the talent night. And I tried to MC the talent night and I bit off way too much that I could chew on it. I got really nervous and someone had to help me. When I went on my camp, I, it was the first time ever in my life that I wasn't part of the popular kids. Really? It was a real struggle for me. Like, Because I, all through primary oh, school, wow. was, was friends with all the... like, And I, I wasn't the popular kid, but I was friends with the popular kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then high school, fine. And then, but like this was year eight, and my friend Justin was like, "Come to this camp that I do," and there was three of us I knew on that camp, and I yeah really struggled, really struggled right. going. Oh, but I'm normally the the popular one that people want to talk to, and I'm not here. And they were all Christian. It was Christian camp, and I was not a Christian. Interesting. Yeah, I loved it because I was I kind of because I was a just a weirdo. Yeah. That would swear so much. 
just even at that age, I would say, fuck shit. <laughs> Never the C word, because that's the worst thing that you could ever call anyone. Yes. Uh, but I was such a little... You mean Christian, right? That's what yeah. I just said, it. yeah. yeah. And I still had kind of an American accent. Oh, yeah. That You would have been absolutely so great and foreign. Like, the yeah. American accent, people loved, loved Americans, kids especially. Because I don't think I got rid of my... Even though I was born in Melbourne, yeah, we lived like we lived in New Zealand, and we would travel and stay in the states every year. Yeah, and my parents were heavily American at that stage, and so I still had this kind of weird little fucked up fuck you, <laughs> hey little fucking asshole, swear like oh, uh, it would have been like they were watching the Sandlot Kids live. Mm. I w- it would have been a very disorienting experience. Uh, yeah. Interacting with uh, little Ben Russell, I think. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. <laughs> um, REM, big band in my life. Yeah. My brother got this album and it was when we didn't have that many CDs in the house. Sorry, just to interrupt, the, my link, why telling you about Super Cat? Oh, yes. You had like a meeting song. Oh, was this and it? REM was one of them. And it wasn't this one, but I think it was on the same album. Okay. I apologize. I really got lost in <laughs> telling, telling you something that went nowhere. But Please continue. So for year eleven, so on the in the inside in the liner notes of this album, there was a hand drawn of a guy walking down marble stairs, but the marble stairs have been covered in like metal. Mm-hmm. And there was a little quote talking about something about like you protect the things, but you kind of ruin. It. I can't remember what the quote was, but for my year eleven art portfolio, I did a huge drawing of that, and um, but didn't have the writing on it, so it was more more ambiguous than what REM did. And mm. I remember getting very good marks for that. Nice. Uh, so this song, a bit of fact about this song. Uh, so R.E.M. always, it's just like written by R.E.M. They don't say who actually wrote the songs. Uh, but uh, Bill Berry, uh, the drummer, actually wrote this one. Mm. Uh, apparently he came in with just the, the start of it kind of on guitar and was like, hey, I'm feeling around with this. He had a bit like a minute of it and uh, it sounded a bit country and western. And so he just had a, a chorus uh, and a bridge and, and, and um, no lyrics for the verse but just like a melody. And then they sat around and going around until four different ideas came and then they eventually went, all right, let's try and give it like a Otis Redding approach. Mm. And that's what they were going for there. And uh, then ended, Bill ended up not playing on the original track. And so it was Peter Buck and uh, Michael and a drum machine. And then they all overdubbed it. And this is what... Uh, Peter Berry says, no, Peter Buck says about the lyrics. He says, the reason the lyrics are so typically straightforward is because it was aimed at teenagers, mm-hmm. which is, you know, your camp, yeah. Um, and so but then they discovered, oh, if you actually make something pretty dumbed down, everyone can enjoy it. And this was by <laughs> far their biggest hit. Yeah, right. And uh, also a man used this song um, on a, and when I say a man, um, a former US president, so Donald Trump, Use this song in a Twitter video showing Democrats uh, <laughs> looking sad at the 2019 State of the Union address. It's sad. There's a lot more people there. I am. Very sad song. <laughs> one of the saddest. One of the saddest songs in the world. Pretty sad. And so the band... It's a sad song. The, <laughs> the band responded on using their Twitter page by saying, world leader, pretend... Congress, media, ghost this faker, love R.E.M. <laughs> Just don't say anything, guys. I miss him. He's so funny. It's so bad. It's so, yeah. I, I make the mistake of doing my Donald Trump impression on podcasts and 
when I'm on in front of audiences because there's a fa- there's a big phase right now of comedians just backstage just doing drunk <laughs> impressions for different things. It's the new my wife. It is the new my wife and it is so much fun. <laughs> I love it. I can't stop doing it. <laughs> oh. I think because it is so horribly hack. A lot yeah. like like this song is so kind of iconic. Yeah. If you wanted to make it's in ads, of yep. course, like all REM songs are. All REM songs are ads now. Yes. But also, if you just, like, for something, oh, someone's sad. Yeah. And you, you put this song, you're like, ah. Oh, it's a very quick way hack. to, yeah, to establish that they're sad. Get a better song. This song's an overused. This, this would be like in a Judd Apatow film, a, co- a Judd Apatow comedy. Yeah, even ironically, yeah. it's too much now, Yeah, I would say. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just REM being greedy and putting all their songs in ads. It really ruins, like, I, get, I reckon bands like Temper Trap, which just came out and then sold their song to yeah. fucking Telstra, and you're like, well, great. Uh, you didn't even have time to be, like, a classic. I think what happens, though, is, so, like, no one's saying no to Michael Stipe when they, he goes, oh, I've got this idea, and no one's saying, like, Michael Stipe released a book which was just... A black hole. That's all. You open it up and it was just a picture of a black hole. And he said, oh, you can use it to escape. It was like like an artist kind of like, uh, what was it? What am I trying to say? It was like, like, almost like a message. It was a statement. And it was just like, oh, yeah. But he went on Colbert to talk about, to try and promote the book. And I'm like, if you were anyone else, there's no fucking way that's one getting published mm. until you get to go on The Late Show to promote it. He and Chris Martin, I would love to see them fight. I don't mind the Coldplay. I, I, I think Chris Martin is okay. I think he's one of these guys who... I think you need to get your head on straight. ...is around so much fame, but he no. seems okay. He's a guy who, who loves Neighbours and Shane Warne. Coldplay is like... Uh, people are like, I like Radiohead music, but it's so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will defend them. I, I, look, they're not, I don't love them, but I don't think they're as bad as everyone makes out. I think... That they, uh, I think Parachutes, like everybody, yep. Parachutes is a great album. Well, I think A Rush of Blood to the Head is better. That's fucking insane It's to got me, the scientist on it. Say. It's like saying uh, the Kings of Leon Sex on Fire album is their <laughs> best album. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, yeah, that was real hard. I was a big Kings of Leon fan. Kings and then, of Leon were great. And then, and then they were like, they saw you 2 do it. Oh. And they were like... Yeah, we're gonna be. We're gonna do that too. What it is is they got so big they were playing big rooms and went. We need to fill these rooms with a big sound, and then yeah, absolutely destroyed what sound they did have. Yeah, but you know what? They're they're making money. Who cares? They're yeah, doing good well. on them, I say. All right, moving on. This is a little t- a little band from Ireland. This is the Cranberries, and. My favourite song of theirs. It could be my favourite song of theirs too. It's called Linger. It's such a great song. It's so nice. I might even just listen to this one. Oh, the listeners will love that. <laughs> <laughs>
you can feel the cold air of Northern Ireland and... Well, this was uh, like Dolores O'Riordan and uh, Noel Hogan wrote the song together, although uh, he says it was pretty much she wrote it. I just, he goes, I just kind of tidied it up a bit. But it's about her first serious kiss. Oh. Yeah. Do you have to let it linger? Yeah. Oh. Isn't that cute? Do you remember your first kiss? That's a very good question. I think I do, yes. What, what, what year level at school? I was, I think my. Uh, to be honest, I'm struggling to... Uh, there's two options. I got the first one. Uh, I think my first one was with uh, my first ever girlfriend. And I was in year nine. Yep. And she was in year ten. Oh, nice. Oh. And um, she was a lovely, lovely girl. Um, and we smooched. Yeah. Um, and it was great. And I think, you know, the, the relationship didn't last long because we didn't have very much emotional intelligence. Yeah, I remember all my high school relationships was just like will you go out with me okay and then i never spoke to him i just continued playing football and mm. basketball at lunchtime and i think i made out, actually we did make outs nice eventually and it was pretty sick our, our thing what was an exciting time you would write their name on your hand mm. and you'd do a kiss kiss and then at our school if you did a kiss with a circle around it that meant fucking nice yeah and then i think my other one was like at a performing arts Sort of work like sort of weekend. Yep. And a girl said, "I liked you." And I gave and gave me a kiss. Nice. Um, and that was that was pretty cool. Either one of those. I'm not sure chronologically where they fit, but uh, yeah, I've been kissed before. Yeah, cool. I think it was the year nine one. I think year nine was my first kiss. Yeah, um, the girl first girl I kissed. Her name was Rebecca, and I kissed her because it was this weird thing that went around. So my friend Ryan. We talked about with uh, he he likes Caligula's Kiss by Clown. We talked about that the other week with Charlie. Uh, he and his girlfriend Camilla had planned we're going to kiss at the school social. Nice, and a then, planned kiss, a planned kiss, and then word went around and said, "Are you and Rebecca going to kiss at the school social?" And I went, "Oh, I get, if they're going to kiss, we'll kiss." And the whole social, I was there petrified. Mm. When is this going to happen? When are we going to kiss? It's terrifying. When are we going to kiss? And the slow song came on. Mm. We didn't kiss. It so much pressure. So much pressure. And also there's teachers around. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not snogging someone no. on a basketball court. And so we walked out of the basketball stadium where the gym, the school gym, and we had to go up the ramp where all the parents were parked and Ryan and Camilla were holding hands in front of us and they stopped and kissed. And so we stopped and looked at each other and went, I mm. guess we have to now. Oh. And it was all these kids around us going, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. What a terrible time. Yeah. What, a, what a terrifying, <laughs> terrible time growing up was. We, we, we have a tendency to like, listen to music. You're like, wow, that was a great time. No, yeah. <laughs> just it wasn't. It, it's, nostalgia is a disease. There's so much pressure from peer groups to yeah. do stuff you don't really want to do. No. I also, for me, it was like the worst time in terms of like, it was still when the, you'd do PE and have to shower after every session and it was open showers, so everyone would see you. Mm. And I was, you know, puberty was very late for me. No. And so it was just me every day, just going, I don't want to have to fucking shower, yeah. show my prepubescent penis in front of all these guys who have monster hogs. I had I hit I hit puberty pretty early. Oh, I yeah. got my pubes quick. Cool. Yeah, that's not a brag. 
<laughs> it is though, actually. Sounds I'm breaking like a break. Hey everyone, this is me, Ben Russell, and I got my pubes real early. Uh, what a thing i did not expect uh to be saying on record on the record well i i remember can you there was a boy in primary school who got his and our other friend forced him to show us all and it was almost one day at lunch going hey such and such has pubes go and show him your pubes Mm. and he would Pretty much march him into the toilets, and he just flashes pews to people. And go, whoa! <laughs> 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 fucking so grots. <laughs> that's so fucked up. Oh, hey, There's so much trauma that we have to un. <laughs> well, that's what the cranberries bring out of us. Yeah. Well, yeah. What a great band, though. Uh, rest yep. in power. That yeah, that was really sad. Mm. Yeah. All right. This is our final song. Our final song for volume nine. This is. Tina Turner, her first appearance on the pod, but not not her last. She's coming up. And this is... I should think not. This is her song, I Don't Want to Fight. That song, written by Lulu, who mm-hmm. won Eurovision, with her song, um, oh, what was the song called? Bomb Banger Bang. She won it in the 60s. Okay. Went on to be very cool. She was hip in the swing 60s in the UK, had, mm. her own t- had her own TV show and all that kind of stuff. So she wrote this song and first offered it to Sade. Oh. Yeah. Smooth operator. Sade said, I like the song. Not for me, though, but I know who it's perfect for. And she contacted Tina Turner herself and said, I've got this song that is perfect for you. Now, this was... That's the kind of fucking wisdom that only Sade... Sade, she's so good. No, so uh, this was used in the film, What's Love Got To Do With It? The biopic on Tina Turner, Uh which uh, was... So Angela Bassett as Tina Turner, Mm -hmm. Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner. They both got uh, Oscar nominations, didn't win. Uh, And... This uh, was on the soundtrack, so she did a re-recording of old songs, new songs, but she put this one on. This was the the new the new song for her on it. Have you seen the Tina Turner documentary, Tina? No. I recommend every single person listening to this to watch it. It's on Binge. Mm-hmm. It's an HBO one. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, right. Like she, 
has an incredible story. Yeah, I know that she she got she like got big quite late. Yeah, so she, she got her and it was Ike and Tina Turner. Ike very controlling. Yeah, not uh, a nice dude. Not a nice guy at all. Bad dude. Bad bad guy. Yep. Uh, Officially, when they divorced, it was when pretty much all power went to the husband in the divorce. She Sick. had nothing. She had to just work and work and work. And she like couldn't choose stuff creatively. She was like, fuck, I've just got to take any job I can. Mm. So she was doing like shows in Vegas, shows in Atlantic City, just whatever she could. And almost like a nostalgia act. Mm. It was like, yeah, remember Ike and Tina Turner, blah, blah, blah. So Phil Spector, another bad, bad guy, mm-hmm. says that River Deep Mountain High is the best song he ever recorded, the Ike and Tina Turner version. Um, just yeah, he said that's the pinnacle of mm-hmm. uh, music for me. Uh, and so then at age forty-four, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, <laughs> I was just gonna say that's kind of like uh, that's like a, a <laughs> <laughs> Ivan Milat saying, "Hey, this is this is my favorite painting." <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, this is Ivan Milat's favorite painting. <laughs> uh, so at 44 yep. Was when she had a big break mm. and That's when she was And she uh, In 1990 at age 51 She broke a European tour record For most people attending Attending a single tour Yeah every, Boomers love to tell you How fucking good her shows were Almost 4 million people Came and saw her In this tour across yeah. Europe And she broke the Rolling Stones record mm. So in the documentary It is just her Like just It's just playing Huge, huge stadiums and everyone just fucking losing their mind. And she was huge in Australia. Yeah. Well, also, she was huge in Australia and then what made her even more beloved is that she did the uh, song for the NRL. And she was in Mad Max. And she was in Mad Max, yes. Yes, I remember she was almost like the NRL, the face of NRL. Well, she came out and did the grand final. How come NRL... Um, halftime shows are so much better than I don't know. AFL the AFL one's shows? so bad, isn't it? Why? Why is that? Even when they get good bands, not it be- is not bad. because AFL is the better sport, but because the AFL's got so much more money. You would think, yeah. I, well, I don't know. I, I just don't understand how they can keep fucking it up. Because you, the the kind of the asshole in me, the elitist in me, would be like, NF, NRL's. A game full of, you know, uncultured <laughs> swine. Uh, but they've got the best fucking uh, halftime shows. My favorite and one. And they had the best footy show. My favorite what one was when, when Macklemore came out and was going to do Same Love, his song about mm-hmm. saying, oh, when I was a kid, I thought I was gay. Oh, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But it, not that, but the fact that Peter Dutton, for those who are overseas, he's the uh, leader of our opposition. Who kind of like our Goebbels. Yeah, so the opposition here in this country is the uh, right wing, the Liberal Party. Anyway, he said, well, if they're going to sing a song like that, they should have a, a song that's anti-gay marriage as well performed. You fucking dumb cunt. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. <laughs> fucking idiot. I will never let, never let a man with no hair <laughs> tell you to try and choose your artistic decisions. <laughs> I would love to see them though. All right, we've had Macklemore. Now he's fucking angry Anderson. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> no <Nara>. puffs. <laughs> you know, has the link there with Tina Turner. Oh my god! <laughs> they both were in Mad Max. Oh fuck! Uh, all right. Well, that's I don't want to fight. 
you know, not one of the best songs, but still, not one still of the most iconic, but still, man, when that kicks in, yep. when it kicks in, it kicks in. Yeah. I can just see a lot of, a lot of women of a certain age looking wistfully oh. out the window, just going, oh God. Put on Nutbush. No. <laughs> Do you know Nutbush is only an Australian thing? The dance, yeah. That's fucked up. It's so crazy, isn't it? What happened here? We've ruined the song because it's a good song. Yeah. And then we ruin it because we, all we can think of is, is the dance. Yeah. That's fuck. We fucked up. Also, I, when I was at school, there was another song called The Bus Stop and that had a dance as well. Are you ready to do the bus stop? Yes. A, but that hasn't that hasn't, hasn't lived. No. That's 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 gone. But Nutbush lives on. It, it, take nothing away from this podcast. It's a hard dance. The too. Nutbush. The Nutbush lives on. Go back to <laughs> Flossing. <laughs> the Pride of Erin. Hey, that's it. That's side B, volume nine. Now, I ask this every single episode. Mm-hmm. Ben Russell. What percentage of hits would you give this album? Do you want to go through them again? Yes. Freak Me by Silk. Mm-hmm. Hit? Hit. Four, four Non Blondes, What's Up? Miss. Miss. Sweat, A La 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 La. Hit? Hit. Girl, I've Been Hurt by Snow. Uh, miss. You're So Vain by Chocolate Starfish. <laughs> I'm going to say Miss. Yep. Get a Haircut? Hit. Everybody Hurts? Hit. Linger? Hit. I don't want to fight. Hit. That's six. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Six out of nine. There you go. Six, nine. Nice. Sixty-nine. We've done it. We've cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks everyone for being uh, patron subscribers, by the way. If you haven't already, go over, become a patron subscriber, and then you get Pod Machine, my patron-only podcast where I talk about the Hit Machine compilations. <laughs> Still, I'm telling you, all this pop music from the 90s, I'm going a little bit crazy. Hey, Ben, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on the socials, Twitter, at Ben Russells. Um, you can find me on Twitch, if that's your thing. Just I, I do Twitches. I haven't done uh, one in the last two and a half weeks because I've been on tour, but that's not interesting to anyone, and I should stop. Uh, but yeah, twitch.tv slash Bon Member. It's picture uh, three-hour stream so I do that and it's like a radio show basically great and, you know play games or just fuck around and talk absolute nonsense I play little synthesizers it's a I don't know what it is go in there and it's congratulate something. Ben on his early pubes yeah congratulate <laughs> me on my early pubes and um, and ask me about my first kiss thanks everyone for listening we'll see you next time bye I'm gonna